Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Last week we started uh, a a section on uh, what I call the listening ear, and it's about hearing God and how, by the way, it did get put up on the website. It just got put up late this week, but um, it it's about the commandments of God and, and looking at the commandment from the old covenant. The first command was to hear. Usually we give it as you shall, and we start the, the four things about how you shall love God as a commandment, but the commandment actually begins with hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And so the indication of how important it was to hear actually gets broadcasted by Jesus a whole bunch in the Gospels. It's mentioned several times. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, in some form or another, the phrase for he who has ears to hear, let him hear, it should actually be, should be translated for he who has ears to hear, let him listen. And that uh, that is repeated 16 times just in the New Testament. Now, there is a principle in reading and understanding the Word of God that if something is said more times, that makes it more important. There you go. Some of you know a little bit. It's especially in hermeneutics, which is uh, how to prepare messages from the Word. Uh, that's extremely Emphasize. And what we looked at last week is the, the first hurdle in overcoming our doubts because what I ran into so often, uh, not just with young believers, but believers that had walked with the Lord for decades, was that they didn't hear God. And there's this, well, other people hear Him, but I don't. Um, that got kind of blown up and blown out uh, with the charismatic movement and then it seemed like there were a whole lot of people that heard God and they were always a select few in a select church at a select time for a select group of people. And that's just not the way hearing God is worked and how it's discussed. It's actually discussed quite a bit in the New Covenant and about how we position ourselves. So really, and where we ended last week is you overcome the doubt in, the abil- in your ability to hear God by understanding that it's God who's speaking and that his, he gave a command when he was here on the earth and teaching. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And it's written in the imperative, in the command form of the Greek. Meaning, they, they will hear my voice. My sheep Hear me. And so the dependency on hearing God isn't as much about you as if you can get your heart to go, no, this is about God does want to speak to me. Now, how he speaks isn't taught well. And the way to listen isn't taught well. So that's where we're at today and 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 doing that part. The most novice believer can hear God. That's how you come into the kingdom. You got saved by hearing God. The, now you can say, well, that was a conviction. Well, 
God speaks through convictions into our soul. And so you heard God and yielded and gave your life to, to the Lord. We tie it to giftedness. Uh, as opposed to a naturalness that we were all given. We were all formed in the image of God. And giftedness doesn't raise one person up over another. All it does is probably give them more responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. That can be a verse used to beat somebody up with. But hearing God is not a gift, it's a command. So if it is a command then what's really important for us is to position ourselves to know how to hear him um, and how to listen. And therefore, when you do that, if you learn how to listen, you can hear it. If you can hear it, you can recognize it. If you can recognize it, it's easy to submit to God. Now, I'm going to go back to a thing that we've talked about a lot in the past, and it's this. So many people say they're wrestling with God. No, you're not. You're wrestling with yourself. God has already won. He has no need to wrestle with you. He knows everything about you. He knows every hair follicle. He knows every freckle. He knows which tooth is sensitive in your mouth. He knows all. It says he knows the number of sparrows on the earth. How much more will he care for you? So it's, it's not about that. But we tend to make it about that. But most people don't bring a spiritual discipline in their life in order to hear God. Because the first principle in hearing God is he speaks through his word. And it's like, you sort of go, well, yeah. And then you go, duh, to yourself. Because it's the word, and the word has to do with hearing, not just speaking. It would be pointless of God to speak if no one listened. But there are people on the earth that will listen. But I tell you what, Jesus lamented that very fact that when he spoke, few people listened. He noticed. He's been noticing for a long time. Instead of hearing him, they actually, uh, if you look at the story, which I'll read it to you here, man, they gripe and whine and find reasons for not listening to his voice because he, he didn't say what they wanted to hear. So, still happens today, by the way. So here, here's the story, and I'm sorry that we don't have the overheads. Matthew 11, verse 15 is where I'll start. So Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he starts doing this description of what happens with that. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. What he's making the notice about here is that people who live to me, live in me, start bearing fruitfulness in their lives. And it starts showing up over and over and over and over again. And that people who 
only want to listen to what God has to say is when he says what they want him to. Ouch. This is what I found with many, and even in my own life, in my own heart, and in positioning myself to try and hear God and reading his word and giving myself to that and doing that, I still, so many of my prayers were directive to God. I prayed, I don't know, maybe you did that too. I'm hoping I get a couple, I got a couple of head nods. I would tell God what I wanted him to tell me. Matter of fact, I was taught that that was a principle of prayer. To get in agreement with the word and then say it back to God and then he would say it to you and it would come to pass. And really the best way you can position yourself before God is to say, you know, it sounds funny, but here I am, Lord. Speak to me. What do you want me to hear? Not, I would like you to tell me about this. Or I would like you to address this situation in my life or my family those kind of things, but it's a, it's a way of positioning ourselves. So really, here's the principle. And what God is looking for in our lives. Choosing to listen in order to hear. Choosing to listen in order to hear. That's setting down, even if I'm doing it with the word, to hear God from the word, it's going to the Bible, not telling him what you want him to speak to you about but asking him, what would you like me to know? It's such a different approach. To listen actually means to pay attention in order to hear. Do you hear me? Are you listening? So with that, to listen in the dictionary says to pay attention to sound, to hear something with thoughtful attention, to give consideration, to be alert to catch an expected sound. Now sometimes, like all of us, sometimes when I open the word to read it, I'm just reading. But I tell you what, everything changes when you have that, it's almost like kind of a hungry approach. It's, oh God, would you just speak to me this day? It's that quiet prayer that it's a, it's a prayer of humility. It's bowing the knee before him and say, what would you like me to know today about you or me or situations? And you can so position yourself. But then, then here's, here's the thing. Once you're listening, are you hearing what you were listening to? Because hear means to gain knowledge by the act of listening. Do you see how they're different? To perceive or apprehend by your ear. To gain knowledge of the hearing. To listen to with attention to give a response. So when we're hearing, a word that goes with it is, will you heed it? Hearing and heeding. Heeding isn't just about obeying. Heeding is, huh. I need to explore this more. What does this mean? This is more important than I could have ever imagined. I would tell you this, two minutes in a prayer time to hear God is one of the most important things you'll do for the day. Maybe more important than your vitamins. Definitely more important than your cup of coffee, though it goes really good with a cup of coffee. Because when you're more attentive, you can hear better. 
If that is repeated 16 times in the New Testament, for he who has ears to hear, let him listen, then it comes to this real, how do I humble myself? You know, because we all want to do that. Well, first it's realizing this, you can't grow without food. You can't grow, you can't stay healthy in your natural body, and you can't stay healthy in your spirit without food. And food is what Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now that word comes in so many different ways. So we ended last week with challenging you to read. Because of this, this is all tied, hearing God is all tied with faith. If you don't believe you're ever going to hear God, I, I really doubt very often if you will. It's really connected to what you believe, what your theology is about it. If there's an expectation in your heart that you're going to hear, why would God kick you aside to the curb? When he actually said he was looking for people that would listen to him and hear what he had to say. It's still true today. I believe we would have a very different political atmosphere if our leaders would pray to listen to God and then hear him and heed what he's saying. I think it would be a completely different, we would have a completely different society. Very, very different. And that's not to put a trip on them. It's to put a trip on us. (laughs) You know, in order to respond to them, we need to hear what God's saying. Um, It's so interesting. um, This past week that I started this series, and then an article, a couple of articles, came out about Denzel Washington, who has kind of left the Hollywood scene and has been attending Christian conferences and... You know, his parents were, were, his dad was a pastor, and he started giving, they, uh, you know, started giving his time and energy back into the Lord. And so the article talked about this. They asked him, well, what do you think we're, how do you think we're supposed to be responding to everything that, that's going around us? He said two things. He said, listen to God and pray. So he goes to his Christian conference, he says, here's what I've heard, to shut up, listen to God, and pray. Right now is probably not the time to be talking a lot, but it is the time to be listening a whole lot. And if God isn't saying anything, sit right where you're at and just keep listening. Um, oftentimes God speaks most by his silence. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of prayer to get through this. So that brings us to a second principle about hearing God. If you're just sitting and waiting and listening to him, um, the real issue is, do you have a teachable heart? So the first principle is you positioning yourself to hear him. And then the second thing is, will you heed it? Do you have a teachable heart? Um, Now, that's a... Another, it's another type of message that I've watched people get beat up with. Well, you're, just, you're not obedient. This isn't about being obedient. A teachable heart is a heart that's open. Um, it, uh, in Mark 4.23, he says, again, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. 
with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. What? I thought that was like when you gave stuff away, it came back to you. But actually he's talking about, look, if you set your heart to hear me, you're going to hear me more. You want to hear God more? Position your heart to listen. When you position your heart to listen, and then you hear what he has to say, he's going to give you more things. He will start dropping them in. All of a sudden you start seeing little changes and you see all the manners in which God speaks to us. And they can be explored. And it's, it's really, we'll do that in the next teaching. But it's really this. Listen to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. And remember, to heed is to pay not just particular attention to, but respond. When you think of heeding, it's to respond to something. Lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So when we start hearing God, all of a sudden other things start confirming what we've heard. It's one of the ways that we know we heard correctly. Um, so how does that play out in the charismatic world, world with words of knowledge being spoken to you or given to you or sometimes they're called prophetic words or prophetic utterances and stuff? And I will tell you that if they come to pass, that's how you know. They bear fruit. They, they have things that happen. This is what I've noticed and this is the ones that were given corporately, not just individually. When they were given, it was a howitzer going off. Boom! It sounded like this gigantic thing that was happening. And when it actually took place, it was... You're going, that was that? I waited 17 years for that? Uh, yeah. It shows you our human hearts and how we heed something and that we can make things more than they're not when we, even when we're listening. And so to give a more earnest heed means what happened here? What, what really occurred? And what occurred in my life? I will tell you this, so many things that I've heard, I can look back now, and, and this isn't, I'm not trying to, I know I have a tendency to reference my age and stuff, but 70 years is a long time on the earth. And here's what I've noticed in the, in the 40 of those that are 50 of those that have been with the Lord is that the more time went on, the more I understood what I heard and that I couldn't see how it applied. And there were so many times it was applying towards something else than I was trying to apply it to. And then I went and it confirmed the stuff I was going through. I'm getting stuff confirmed to me now in this period of my life that 
the Lord spoke to me when I was in my 20s and 30s. I got to wait that long? Yeah. God marks time differently than you do. And if you... <laughs> now think about this, because when I was in my 20s and 30s, I wanted to go to action on those things right away. The Lord said, I'm going to... He told me I was going to go to... I never got one of those words that said I was going to go to the nations. That was really popular back in the 90s. It was like everybody, I mean, every, every teenager on the earth was going to go to the nations and was going to turn it right side up for God. And we even set up ministries to help that occur. I never got one of those except one quiet little word from an unassuming person who gave it to me privately and said, I think God's going to open some stuff up for you and you're going to be traveling. I went, what? Why? He said, I, I don't know. I said, when will it happen? He went, I don't know. It could be real soon or it could be a little while. And it was just a little while. I, didn't, I told Brenda, but I kind of hid it in my heart because I went, huh, what means this? I don't, you know, because it wasn't, Lloyd, you're going to go to the nations and thousands will. It wasn't anything like that. He said, I think you're going to start traveling. And, and God's going to give you some things to say. And I was like, hmm. Well, it took a little while and it started confirming and then the traveling opened up and it was simply because I was doing a discipleship program, not because I was a great orator, as you know. So you're supposed to laugh there. You're supposed to... Um, the real issue is a teachableness inside of you. It's one of the big issues on hearing God. Are you, are you teachable? Will you listen to stuff that you don't want to hear? Will you let him challenge you on the way you speak and the way you listen? With other people. Because that's what Actually, the New Covenant teaches a whole lot about hearing and speaking. It's one of the primary... We've made it all about morality obedience. And actually, one of the primary emphases to us is about our speaking and our inability to tame the tongue and our ability to hear and be quiet. It's amazing how much we're going to look at it so what is, a, what is a heeding and teachable heart really about? It's about one word, but it gets misapplied so many times. It's about brokenness. Listen to Isaiah 66. It's such an interesting... There's two, two verses from Isaiah that I'm going to pull out to show you this. So Isaiah 66, thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, we love to sing this song, and earth is my footstool, where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand is made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Uh, the word tremble there is interesting because it doesn't mean fear. It means understanding that the word of God is huge. <laughs> 
It's, you see it in that the words that God speaks are so much more important than the words that I could speak or that somebody else could speak. And to be contrite is actually to be broken in our humanness. To go, huh, he's God and I'm real sure I'm not. Because I seem to not get all this correct. It's a, it's a way of inworking of humilities tied to it. Listen to Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Notice both times he was talking about where he dwells. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Where God wants to dwell is with somebody that doesn't think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Again, it goes back to this issue of giftedness. I'm not hearing God because I'm gifted. I'm hearing God because he wants to talk to my heart. And that's, that should just bring each one of us right to our knees. That God, the creator of the heavens and earth, would just speak even one word, one syllable to us should just make us tremble. You would, you would talk to me? You know, you can go back to all the other references in the, in, in the Old Testament. I'm but a worm. We're grasshoppers. We're grass. It's understanding who he is and who we are. It's a principle in hearing it. And it's about well, what does that have to do with brokenness? There's three types of brokenness, and we get them really mixed up. So listen. The first type of brokenness is people who are broken emotionally and functionally because of the what the trauma in life has dealt to them. It can be something as simple as an occurrence when they were four, or a teacher, or something parents, the way you were raised, the society you were in, those kind of things. And they break us and we become what's known as dysfunctional people. And counseling can really help with that. It can go to that area. But that's not the brokenness that it's speaking of in Isaiah. You don't have to be a dysfunctional person in order to hear God. As a matter of fact, often that actually gets in the way of hearing God and requires healing in order to hear. The second one, people, Christians, getting broken because of persistent sin, besetting sin in their lives. And it doesn't, they can't seem to get over that hur hurdle and they walk with a brokenness. There's, there's a limp that's caused. And they try and they try and they try. And it can be something really simple, like controlling your mouth. You try and you try and try, and it's self-effort, and you do that. But it's broken. It's just, not, it's just not there. Again, that takes a great healing from God. Great healing from God. But, but don't assume that like a person who, uh, let's do it this way. Let's use this one. Don't assume that a person who's addicted to ice cream is broken. Well, they can't get away from ice cream and it's controlling their lives. Well, that might be, but that's not the brokenness that it's ta 
talking about in here, and it do, it's certainly not going to inhibit God from speaking to their hearts, though I don't think God really speaks through bunny tracks or, uh, you guys, nobody eats bunny tracks? Uh, cookie dough, there you go. It, so that kind of brokenness, again, be careful of, but I would tell you that a, a besetting sin can run interference because what it does is it attacks your confidence that God would want to talk to you. How does it do that? I don't know if it's the voice of the enemy or what, but I know that when we have a besetting sin, the enemy comes and accuses us continually, and often that's all you can ever hear and say, so you go, why would God speak to me? I can't get over this. Well, it's God who got you over it. So what helps with that kind of brokenness? Oh, I've been preaching it now for 11 years. The grace of God. The grace of God is the answer for, for all these things. You know, I, I started, this is my critical ear. It's not an area of brokenness, but like the one song that we sing by John Mark McMillan, I just wish he would have used a different metaphor where he says, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. It should have been floating. Because it causes us to rise, not sink. I don't drown in God's grace. I swim in it. I get my breath in it. I, so that's just me being critical. Uh, which can be a form of not brokenness, uh, but the enemy can use it against you. Here's the third way of brokenness that is actually wonderful. And it's such a, a pleasing metaphor that if you can real, realize it, we are broken in the sense of being a horse. You ever heard of a horse has to be broken? It means we no longer run away from the person who's trying to come towards us to ride us. The saddle, the bit in our mouth, and to, be, to go where someone else is leading us. That's the brokenness he's talking about in Isaiah. Will you let God lead you? If you're not broken, you'll resist it. You'll pull away. You won't turn to the left when he wants you to turn to the left. Even though we'll, we'll say the prophetic word. It's like, a, it's like the word in, I think it's Isaiah. It's either Isaiah or Jeremiah. That he would be a word in our ear telling us to go to the left or the right. We can have that. But it takes a teachable heart to have that. It really does. Is it dependent on us? No. They can't hear that on the... It, it, it is dependent on us and it's not. It, it's really about this. Would you discipline yourself in order to hear God? Would you take on a spiritual discipline like reading His Word regularly? Not out of obligation, because you long to hear him. The person that starts reading the word that way, something happens in their heart. That's how I most often heard God. And I, I've been shocked in my life. You can, you talk, Brenda can confirm all this in the ways that God has spoken to me. 
and how many of them that he showed me, the, I mean, in like, there's just a couple of them I'm still going, huh. So I'm talking like in the 90% rage when it was the Lord, I, it always came out clearly and I was always stunned because I never, I never put it in that arena that I think that I know of in the form of giftedness. I was tempted to. I was tempted to. When I started going out and traveling, that's when I was tempted to because I was more received when I went out than I was with where I was at. And so that tempted me to want to operate in the gift of saying, well, the Lord's, I think the Lord's saying to you and stuff. And then there was a, a verse that just got hold of me. And it was this, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Actually, it should be translated, the secret of the Lord is with those who worship him. And I went, I want to be somebody you can trust with secrets. And he said, then you can't tell anybody. Otherwise, it's not a secret. And he invited me into something through a conversation that I had with him that I would hold what he showed me and keep it secret in my heart and I would make it a matter of prayer. And so in the giftedness part, I did have a gift of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. I could have said to that person, the Lord is saying this, but I would only do it as he pushed me to. Otherwise, I shut up. I figured if he was showing me something, I was supposed to pray about it. Not go tell. It was the secret between he and I. And I felt this encouragement from the Lord in our friendship. Was I willing to be his secret friend that he could tell things to? And then he took me to the life of Abraham. And the reason Abraham was called God's friend was because he listened to what God said to him. And I went, ah. now think about this. Abraham's life. We'll close with this. And this is where you can, you can look at it in Genesis. Abraham was called the father of nations, but also the father of faith because he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There's only five times in the book of Genesis that we get to see or get invited into God speaking to Abraham. How long did he live? Over a hundred years. Five times in a, over a hundred years that the Lord spoke to him. Five times. If I said that to the charismatic church, they'd wig out. You might hear God five times your whole life. Will you walk in faithfulness to what he said? Narrow it down. If God spoke one word to you today, would you heed it? All of us think, yes. But you see, that takes that kind of brokenness that says, ooh, that could be difficult. I don't trust people that come and tell me that they're being disciplined by the Lord. I quit trusting that. If they were being under the discipline of the Lord, they would be quiet about it. Because that would be the first discipline. Ooh. I've had people tell me that they were made to go to a certain church or a certain ministry because they were under the discipline of the Lord. Baloney. 
bunch of hogwash. How do you know that? It's just not what he would do. God doesn't make you to go someplace that you're miserable at. How would that help you? I'm going I'm to learn to be happy in this place of sorrow. That's whacker jig. That's wacky spirituality. God's longing is to bring you into fullness. And in that fullness, you are to have joy. How can you have joy by staying in a place that you don't want to be at, you don't like, and you don't agree with them? Doesn't make sense. Hearing God is always this. It's very spiritual, but it's very logical. It makes sense because God's the sense maker. He makes sense over and over again. Could he do it that way and you're just missing it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He could. I would have to be broken enough to say, yeah, I, I could maybe miss it once or twice. I hope you're not here because God's disciplining you. And what would you say to that person if they told you that? Uh, let's go have a cup of coffee <laughs> and, and talk through this because I don't want you to be here and be miserable. Trust me, I've invited people to leave. <laughs> Not everybody, one or two. And it was done very kindly. God longs to speak to the heart that wants to hear him. So let me put it this way. God longs to speak to your heart, to the young people in this room. There is no place in the word of God where there is age discrimination on this. Not one place is there a There's never a place where you can't do it until you're 20 or 30. It's not true. You may not do it well. You might run into things, but you can hear God so clearly. And you can trust him. Let me pray for us. God, take this, the whole idea. I ask that we would revisit your word this week. Speak to our hearts. Show us things that are just incredible that you want us to hold as a secret between you and me. Help our hearts. We're fragile in this area. We can get off. We can get weird with it. Help us. Guide us. Lead us. Lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.